At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. And on this edition of the program, we're going to talk about free speech on college campuses. And with me is Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be here to talk about political issues from a biblical perspective. Hey, it's always good to have you, a, a pastoral perspective, if if you will. And, you know, you and I did a program recently, and I and I shared on that, that I really appreciate you being willing to step into the fray, if you will, step into the public arena and talk about tough issues. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciate, first of all, is that you're busy and you could be doing a lot of other things, but then also um, you're willing to take those biblical perspectives into the public arena. Well, Richard, uh, as I study the scriptures, I don't ever find where God calls a man to a building. Mm-hmm. He calls them to a community. And so I believe that pastors ought to be influences in our community. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're called to the marketplace, just like we're called to the pulpit. Yeah. And so I think, it, I think we're required. And the reason why I even bring any of this up is because we're at a place where our Christianity, what we as Americans uh, hold to be Christianity, really has had a limited impact. Mm-hmm. We keep our Christianity in our pews. We keep it to our Bible studies, maybe even our prayer time. But Christianity, as it was meant to be, is is really is simply the, the follower of Jesus walking out the faith wherever they go, yeah. in their homes, in their workplace, in the public arena. Mm-hmm. And I would submit to you that we're dealing with so many challenges today because we as followers of Jesus have not allowed the faith to indwell deeply and richly within us. And we've right. not taken it with us wherever we've gone. Right. And when that happens, you see culture kind of atrophy. You see culture find itself in a place of darkness. And that's exactly where we are today. Absolutely. Well, we've even had political figures who have been running for, for national office say, my faith will not interfere with my political yeah. decisions. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, then, I, I, then don't tell me anything about your faith. If it doesn't control all aspects of your life, it's yeah. worthless. That's that's not much of a faith, no, is it? No. We've heard recently uh, major political leaders talk about how their views on the sanctity of life, as their church teaches, is different from their views on the sanctity of life as a political leader. And I would say that that faith is utterly worthless. I know those are strong words. But if you're saying that my church and my religious beliefs teach one thing on faith, but if you're in a position of significant influence and you do nothing with what your faith teaches, then that faith is is worthless. That's and, rednecks call that talking out of both sides of your neck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's what really, it is. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah. Since you say you mentioned talking, uh-huh. uh, we're going to talk about free speech. Yeah. And free speech is one of those things that we take for granted. You and I are enjoying it sure. right now mm-hmm. as we are behind these microphones. Sure. We're talking about freedom of speech, mm-hmm. and we're enjoying freedom of speech Absolutely. right now. Uh, but on our college campuses, it's one of those areas or, or arenas that uh, they sh- take it for granted, and yet it shouldn't be taken for granted because 
it's under assault, if you will, on many of our campuses. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the first place we need to begin, though, Ron, is uh, the First Amendment to the Constitution. This is where we derive our freedom of speech from, and I think you have that in front of I you. I do. What, what does it say? It's a, the First Amendment says, and, and it covers a lot of territory, it says, Congress shall make no law uh, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for the redress of grievances. And so it covers a lot of things, but it says it will not establish a law abridging or curtailing the freedom of speech. Yeah. So free speech is one of the First Amendment rights that Mm -hmm. we have. The Mm -hmm. reason why it was put into the Constitution was because it was threatened by governments prior to, right. um, and there still is threatened sure. by governments today, where if you speak your mind, if you speak your political views, if you speak your religious views in public, the powers that be often feel threatened. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time of the founding, it, you didn't have freedom of speech. If, well, there's still some countries, if you speak out against the administration, you're rounded up, yeah. um, arrested, uh, yeah. sometimes murdered. Uh, now, that doesn't happen in our country because we've got that freedom um, in- ingrained in our Constitution. It's woven within the fabric of our, of, our, of our country. But there are some places that say we get to decide which speech is free and what isn't. Yeah. And we, we know that free speech doesn't allow you to holler fire in a crowded theater. That's right. Um, That's right. But, but, uh, but it, it does allow you to be able to express your opinions freely, especially in places of higher learning. Yeah, that's, and, that's right. That's right. It's something that we have, I think we've, we have taken for granted. Uh, younger people in particular uh, really lose sight of what freedom of speech is. And mm-hmm. we're going to reference a survey that was done by a group called Fire uh, Individual Rights and in Education. And uh, we'll talk about that in the next segment. But it's under assault on our college campuses. And here are a few examples I'd like to share. In 2015, The University of South Dakota shut down the showing of a film titled Honor Diaries. And this was about, uh, it was a documentary about honor killings of women in Islamic culture. Now, university officials, University of South Dakota said that it was was something that could be interpreted wrong. There wasn't a discussion that was scheduled after the showing, so they canceled the event. And that was troubling because this is something where movies are regularly shown at Mm -hmm, that college mm -hmm, campus. But mm -hmm. this one was viewed to be possibly controversial. They didn't have a Q&A time afterwards, so they shut it down. Same university uh, last year uh, took down an American flag. One of the students there hung an American flag in his dormitory room on September the uh, 10th. Uh, when he returned to his room later that night, the flag had been taken down. Mm. This had, they'd gone back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put it up, they took it down. He put it up, they took it down, and it was eventually taken down. Uh, there was another incidents, uh, incident involving Hawaiian Day where the University of South Dakota Law School handed out um, leas. Is that the word? Lays. Lays. The, the Hawaiian. Hawaiian um, lays. Yeah. And the uh, administration said that it could be possibly culturally insensitive, so they stopped them from doing that. Here, now, so that was all University of South Dakota. Here's one, Fresno State. Students for Life group promoted their cause with chalk messages on the sidewalks. Uh, a professor there 
ended up wiping them away. He took some of his students and they wiped the chalk messages off of the sidewalks, even though that student group had permission mm-hmm. to do so mm-hmm. prior to it. Ron, I love are... what he said. Listen to what he said. <laughs> free speech is free speech in the free speech area. And college campuses are not free speech areas. Oh, boy. Let's just unpack that for a minute. <laughs> really? College campuses, uh, the, really the whole campus should be a free speech area. I mean, the whole, you shouldn't have to be in a square. You no, shouldn't have no. to be in a 10 by 10 no. square in order no. to share your views. It, well, and a lot of universities are coming out, and we can unpack this a little bit later on after a break, but, but a lot of universities are coming out saying that the executive order that our president signed saying universities are free speech areas, they say, oh, all universities are already that, so that's not unnecessary. But, but we see examples where that's in, not true. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. I'm with Ron Hicks, and we are talking free speech on college campuses. Ron, and just before the break, uh, we heard an egregious example of a free speech right violation of a professor, University of California, Fresno campus, who erased uh, chalk uh, messages from a student pro-life group. He uh, said that free speech is okay if it's in the free speech zones, and uh, we had made the case that, you know, the, the entire university campus really should be a free speech zone. Absolutely. It's ironic that you have a professor who enjoys freedom of speech. He's protected by the First Amendment, but he doesn't want to afford that freedom to student groups like the pro-life group there at Fresno State. I actually had an encounter at, um, I, I won't say where, but it was, a, 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 it was at a community college where I was taking a, a class on, uh, on writing just to be able to brush up on my writing skills. And the, the professor of that class uh, was a, um, a pract- practiced a different religion than, than I do. And he would often reference uh, the teachings of his religion. Well, at one time I said, well, you know, being a Christian, uh, Jesus says, and, and the professor stopped and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we, we, you know the, we're, a, we're an institution of higher learning and we have to and I said, um, I said, brother, with all due respect, you, you, you let everybody know that that was acceptable the very first time you mentioned your religion. Yeah. And so I wasn't an 18 or 19 year old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I challenged him and he immediately realized he had to back off, but he was freely referencing his religion. Um, and the minute that I did, he tried to stop me yeah. and, and it was not a, a tense moment, but he realized, uh, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to bully over this guy. Um, you know, Ron, that's a, that's a, there's this, that you're entering the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. I think that there was a spiritual stronghold or oh, spiritual forces with that guy. Of course, you're, we're directed by a different spirit, mm-hmm. but that is, uh, when you look at the university campuses or community college campus, often the stack is decked against Christians. One reason why is because Christianity holds to a uh, 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 singular view that this is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you uh, hold that up, when you identify as a Christian, 
uh, all of a sudden uh, you, you're siding with the truth, and you're going to be attacked with that. The university professor, the the guy who's in the classroom. Uh, is in a powerful position, but right. he will, like in your case, mm-hmm. will try to shut you down. Oh, absolutely, uh, Richard. I, I say this, and this is this is Ron Hicks, pastor speaking. I say to folks, if you don't have, it, it, people will often say, "Well, we all worship God. Uh, this, you know, it doesn't matter what you call God. We all worship the same God." And I say, if your God doesn't have a son named Jesus Christ that died on the cross to free of your mm-hmm. sins, you and I do not worship the same God. If if he's not the creator and sustainer of the universe and the author and the perfecter of your salvation, we do not worship the same God. That's as ridiculous as saying all maps lead to Minnesota. Yeah. Get a map to Florida. Yeah. You're not winding up in Minnesota. All religions do not point to yeah. God through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, it's often said in the college setting that all religions are basically the same, uh, but really they're basically not the same. I've heard it put this way that superficially they're similar, but fundamentally they are very, very different. Right. The difference between Christianity and any other religion is that you have the Son of God who came to earth. He made atonement for our sins. He died on the cross uh, to connect us, to reconnect us with God the Father. But uh, the difference between Christianity and all the other religions is that the founder of the religion, Jesus Christ, isn't in the grave. Right. He is no longer in the grave. He lived that sinless, perfect life. Uh, he died on the cross, the death that we all deserved, and uh, he, he took our sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, and that, that's the great exchange. He took our sins, this perfect, holy man, God, fully mm-hmm. God, fully mm-hmm. man, took them upon himself, and he gave us his righteousness. Uh, he gave us eternal life when we have faith in him. That's the great exchange. Amen. And that's good news. Yes. I, I heard a, a, a pastor of a, of a church out in California called Mosaic. His name is Erwin McManus. Mm-hmm. He was talking to a group of, um, of people, uh, men of a different faith, and uh, he was describing Christianity. They asked him to describe Christianity, and he said, he said gentlemen, from hearing you speak, um, you, you represent God is on top of a mountain, and we're all climbing up this mountain, each one of us trying to reach God. Is that how I understand it? And they said, yes. He said, well, the difference in Christianity is God has come down from the top of the mountain and meets us all at the base to say there's only one path yeah. to the top. Yeah. And so that's the difference right. in Christianity. We're not climbing the mountain all on different paths to reach God. God has come from the mountain to us. That's good. And, and they were all amazed. That's good. That's a good word. Uh, so we're talking free speech issues, and I want to try to bring it back to that. Sure, sure. So, and since we went down that path of Christianity and who Jesus is, uh, one thing I think that's related and, and important to note is that uh, Christianity has generally been tolerant when mm-hmm. it comes to freedom of speech. Sure. Not perfectly. We've no, had our no. episodes. Oh, there have absolutely. been times in sure. history when when one denomination that dominates in the culture suppresses mm-hmm. freedom of speech, and that's mm-hmm. an ugly chapter. Oh, but absolutely. generally, the teachings of the Bible promote the idea of tolerance. And by this, I mean respecting the other person as an individual made in the image of God, mm-hmm. respecting their ideas and their thoughts. doesn't mean you have to agree with them, no, right. but it certainly means that you don't beat them down. Right. You don't malign them uh, or marginalize them. Uh, we're told throughout Scripture to be respectful. Mm-hmm. We're told to listen. We're told to be gracious. and uh, Even love your enemy. Those that, that would consider you to be an enemy, you're, you're to love them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So as Christians, we should uh, be for freedom of speech. Uh, we should uphold the free speech rights of all people here mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. But 
That's not the case. In fact, there's a changing attitude with younger people today. A survey by the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, the acronym is FIRE, they found recently back in January that a majority of college students value inclusivity over free speech. They think that their fellow students should have the, their political views censored if they are hurtful or offensive to certain students, and they think that students should be excluded from extracurricular activities if they publicly express intolerant, hurtful, or offensive viewpoints. Now, Ron, <laughs> this is shocking because these are college students. These are the future leaders, future uh, teachers, future uh, businessmen. These are our leaders, and they have a very narrow view of freedom of speech. So does that mean I, as a student who's a Christian, go to a biology class and the biology professor is talking about evolution and I say, that offends me, therefore I'm not going to attend the lectures, but I don't expect any zeros <laughs> and I should be excluded from the test yeah. uh, because a classroom would not, would be, would not be a free speech zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Hey, that's a good analogy and really it depends on how do you define offensive, how do you define hurtful, how do you define intolerant because in today's age, the view that you have mm -hmm. on Christianity and moral standards, that's offensive to a lot of people. Oh, the absolutely. view that I have on moral boundaries is offensive to many people. So sure. how do you define what is offensive and what is intolerant? Well, I, there's, a, there's a word. Um, on college campuses, they have, they have safe spaces, trigger warnings, mm. and I love this word, mm -hmm. microaggression, wow. meaning that uh, uh, refers to the slight, petty insults and in comment, uh, comments that cause at least subtle harm to recipients. So if, if somebody in a position of authority deems that your comments are microaggressive, yeah. then they can say, because of that, we're going to limit what you can say because we believe you're putting in little jabs there. So wow. I, as a Christian, if I espouse biblical principles as far as relationship goes, sexuality goes, the covenant relationship of marriage and those sort of things. If I express those, somebody else can say that's microaggression and that's against our rules. And it wasn't done in a safe place. And, and there's triggers there that should have been. That's not free speech at all. That's censorship. It's not. It is censorship. And we'll hold that thought. We're going to come back in just a minute with the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and we are talking free speech issues. And Ron, 
just before the break, we were talking about microaggressions and trigger mm-hmm. warnings. Mm-hmm. And uh, in many of the college campuses, they have free speech zones where you can speak within that zone, within that certain area. You can hand out flyers, you can give a speech, you can promote your organization. But if you step outside of that free speech zone, you could be found in violation. Right. I, I don't know about you. You've been to college. I've been to college. But that whole concept seems so foreign to me. Well, this is what they're saying. They, they say that the free speech zone also provides safe space zones. And so if there's a college student that doesn't want to hear somebody else's point of view, they're not forced to hear that point of view. Um, by by just walking through a particular area, however, that's that's one of the give and takes of a free society. I got news. <laughs> I got news for you, Ron. There ain't nothing safe about college when it comes oh, to I, ideas. Oh, listen, when it comes yeah. to when it comes to, I mean, it's a safe and I think fairly it's for the most part safe environment, and there are many good people there. But the idea of the university is that you are learning uh, different perspectives. You're studying under different teachers. Mm-hmm. You will have very different ideas presented to you. But the idea that you should have a safe zone because there's something that might come across uh, your desk or be presented in the classroom that could be offensive, I don't get that. Well, and the idea I, of who decides what offensive is, it, 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 it's so arbitrary. This idea of trigger warnings, it's if, if there's going to be something presented, then the professors beforehand say, okay, now I want to warn you that there may be discussion, there may be topics, there may be subjects to discuss that may trigger hatred, may trigger uh, uncomfortable feelings and all. That's all at the discretion of the professor. So if the professor doesn't hold those same views, then the professor can 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 kind of go in beforehand and say, I don't think that this is appropriate for you to go to because this and this and this is going to trigger you. Yeah. That's not free speech. That's censorship. It, it is censorship. And we've seen a, a radical shift at our university campuses in this country in the last 10 to 15 years. The Foundation for Inv- Individual Rights and in Education did a survey earlier this year, and they found some startling, uh, startling findings from university students. 60% think that promoting an inclusive environment that is welcome to a diverse group of students trumps protection of students' free speech rights. Sixty percent believe that the, the protecting their um, welcoming a diverse group is more important than somebody's free speech rights. Listen to this. Fifty-seven percent said that colleges should be able to crimp free speech if certain students regard it as hurtful or offensive. This is a majority of our <laughs> colleges if something's deemed hurtful or offensive. Seventy percent think a school should exclude students who publicly express intolerant, hurtful, or offensive viewpoints from extracurricular activities on campus. Again, Ron, who defines intolerant, hurtful, or offensive viewpoints? Well, you know the oldest saying, the, go- the golden rule, he who has the gold let- gets to make the rules. Yeah. I think whoever's in charge, and, and that's, the whole, that's why we have the First Amendment. That's why we have the amendments to be able to say, regardless of who's in control, Regardless of what party, regardless of of what policies, these are inalienable rights. These are things that will not be abridged, that will not be curtailed. Um, And so it doesn't make any difference who's in authority. That's why those those amendments are there. Um, But what we're seeing is, is whatever the person in charge, whatever their viewpoints are, if you agree with their viewpoints, then they allow you to speak those. If you do not, then they can say, those offend me, yeah. therefore they'll offend the majority. And since they're in positions of authority, they get to 
perpetuate. They get to, to spew forth their propaganda. It, it's it's kind of like the referee taking part in the game. Right. You right. have the administrators of the university yes. defining these terms. What is offensive? What is hurtful? And I would say that most university campuses have a very secular, humanistic, evolutionary worldview. That's the oh, controlling certainly. worldview. Yeah. And uh, th- that is a worldview that's apart from a Christian worldview that says that there is a creator. We're made in the image of God. There are moral boundaries that God wants us to flourish. Mm-hmm. Two very, very different worldviews. And because of the Christian worldview that says there are moral boundaries and there are ethical standards of conduct, just by virtue of having that worldview and, and, and adhering to that mm-hmm. makes you a threat to this opposite worldview, For sure. Ron. It make, to this evolutionary uh, perspective that we're just animals yeah. with desires and with needs. And, and that's why the university campuses, sexual uh, liberation is such a big issue. I mean, the LGBT groups, you know that here in Kentucky, there are offices of LGBT outreach at our two largest schools, mm-hmm. tax-funded outreaches where they are promoting uh, behaviors, uh, lifestyles that Scripture says is not healthy, mm-hmm. not good, mm-hmm. something to avoid. So you see the contrast of the of the perspectives and worldviews right there. Well, and if you say as a Christian, um, you promoting that uh, sexual activity out of the covenant relationship of marriage as God has defined it, the first institution that God created, if you as a Christian says that, that, that worldview offends me, then you're considered to be intolerant yeah. and you're narrow-minded. That's right. That's right. But but if it, they can freely say, well, I, I you know I believe you're narrow-minded, you're intolerant, and all the rest of that, and and you have antiquated views and all the rest of that, so they can express their disdain for our beliefs, and that's, that's right. fine. So uh, tolerance has come to define as long as you agree with me, yeah. um, then then I then I'll let you speak. But if you disagree with me, then I'll cry offense, and you have to stop. That's not open debate. It's not. It's it's very one-sided, and it's important, though, that we engage uh, carefully. I know we're a little bit animated on this program. I get sure. fired up oh, yeah, when I talk yeah. about free speech sure. issues. And when I see uh, an unfair playing field, which is what we're seeing at the university campuses, I do get a little fired up. Here's what we're seeing. The rest of the country sees what you and I see, mm-hmm. and they're pushing back against it. Here in Kentucky, Governor Bevan signed a bill into law recently that protects student free speech on college campuses that passed by wide margins in both the House and Senate. He signed it into law in South Dakota. Governor Kristi Noem signed a similar bill into law there. President Trump had a, an executive order that he just signed directing federal agencies uh, to restrict or to look at grants that are going to college campuses if free speech is being impinged on mm-hmm, those campuses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're seeing pushback because of the infringement of free speech rights of students. By the way, we're also seeing it in the court system. Yeah. This uh, professor at UC Fresno was slapped with a $26,000 judgment because he trampled on the free speech rights of the pro-life group. So we are seeing some pushback mm-hmm. there. Well, and what's interesting is when the executive order was announced, many universities came out with public statements, press releases to be able to say this is completely unnecessary because we are ground zero for free speech. One of those universities was the University of California who came out and said this is ridiculous. We don't need it. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're offended because they, they, they said that uh, the withhold funds – and so they said, we're already a free speech zone, so we think it's wrong to withhold funds. Well, if you're a free speech zone, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. That's right. However, in in the late 90s, 
they actually were one of the colleges that imposed these free uh, these uh, free spaces, um, uh, free speech zones, these trigger things, and all. So they were one of the very campuses yeah. that says we're going to restrict sp- free speech. Yet they've come out when you're getting into the pocket saying, "Oh, we're a we're a bastion of the First Amendment." You, that's again, right. that's talking out of both sides that, of your neck. That's right. That's right. Well, Ron, we are out of time. Hey, great discussion Shoot. today. Thank you so much yeah, for joining. Yeah, it's my me. pleasure. All right, God bless.